This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. It's going to be interesting to see what this actually means when we're no longer under, you know, a governor's emergency order. You know, Mm -hmm. what is going to happen with all the rent that's gone unpaid? You know, at the same time, you can start evicting people in, in large numbers, but, you know, with jobs that will have been lost, jobs that won't have come back yet, people who will not be called in called back in from having been furloughed immediately that you might be called back in down the line. It's not as if there's going to be a healthy community of people looking to rent apartments. There are going to be a large number of people who will have been evicted because they couldn't pay, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're going to be moving from, you know, sunset estates to golden estates down the block. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, Go to alaskaair.com. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. This is Crossing Division, our weekly podcast on the coronavirus and Tacoma. And as you will perhaps recall, we sort of did part one of this episode on uh, last week where we were talking about Earth Day. And we wanted to come back this week to do a quick part two on evictions. And I know Earth Day and evictions, there's no real commonality there. But what was happening was we were waiting for the governor to issue his updated and extended moratorium on evictions. And he did that Thursday night. So now we're going to discuss that. Uh, With me today is Joe Lopez, who is in another room in our house. Joe, say hello, please. Hello. <laughs> and uh, Joe and I are going to go over the um, eviction moratorium, explain what it is and what it means, um, both for landlords and for tenants. But first, I'm going to start out, since this is sort of part two of week five, I'm going to start out with a pitch for Channel 253. If you're listening to this, and if you're not a Channel 253 member, I strongly urge you to become a member. Uh, Joe and I are members. Uh, It's a great program and it's very affordable. It is $4 a month uh, or you can pay on a yearly basis for $40 and that you will feel part of a community. You will be up to date on the latest news and you'll find out about um, events uh, when we get back to social gathering like the Adult Civics Happy Hour before anyone else. So I strongly advise you to think about becoming a member. So Where are we at in our coronavirus saga? Uh, As of today, the Seattle Times says, so as of today, Monday, April 20th, the Seattle Times says that Washington State has 11,790 cases of coronavirus. Pierce County has um, 1,109. And deaths in Washington State, we have experienced 634 deaths. In Pierce County, we've experienced 32 deaths. Uh, the numbers seem to be stabilizing a bit. That doesn't mean that they're gone. It means that the numbers of new cases every week has uh, been settling down. And we're that's exactly the flattening the curve that we're all staying home to try to um, achieve. Uh, also, I wanted to note that there was a demonstration in Olympia yesterday on Sunday with about 2,000 people who are protesting the fact that we have stay-at-home orders and so much of our economy is shut down. 
Uh, I'll tell you this. Those 2,000 people, I understand where they're coming from, but that's not the way to do this. You know, there is probably no person in the state of Washington who wants to open this state back up and get the economy going again uh, than our elected leaders. And I count Republicans and Democrats, Jay Inslee, J.T. Wilcox, um, Lori Jenkins, all of them would like us to get back to normal. But in our state, unlike some other states, we're going to wait and hear what the public health authorities have to say, what the scientists have to say, what the doctors have to say before we get back together and chance spiking up again our cases of coronavirus because it's a very serious disease. So with that, uh, and there is sort of a context here, we want to talk today about Governor Inslee's moratorium on evictions. Let me give you some context. This moratorium began in mid-March, around March 17th. And it was a it was uh, a really an impact on landlords saying, uh, landlords, you cannot evict people from their housing right now because that will create homelessness, will create people going out looking for new housing. And right now, everyone needs to stay home. It's a public health emergency. So that was the basis for the eviction moratorium was, you know, all things being equal, we're in a public health emergency and we are not going to remove people from their housing at this time. The first eviction moratorium was set to expire on April 17th. So we were not surprised when the governor issued a new moratorium on uh, late in the day, April 16th. But what is somewhat surprising are uh, some of the provisions. It is a very, very strong proclamation. It provides very strong protections to renters and it is a significant imposition on landlords. It will create financial hardship, um, but that's what you have to do if you're worried about public health. Um, and before we start talking about this, a word to about um, the governor's proclamation powers. So this is kind of wonky civic stuff, but as you will probably recall from your high school government classes, um, in the state and in the federal government, we have a three-part government. That is, we have an executive branch, which is headed up by, in our state, the governor. We have a legislative branch in our state, the legislature divided into a House of Representatives and uh, a Senate. And then we have the judicial branch, which is all of our courts uh, leading up to the state Supreme Court. Uh, as an executive you don't generally make law. You administer the law. So the legislature creates a law. Let's say the legislature decides that, um, oh, something simple. Let's say the legislature decides that stores on Saturday can only be open until 10 p.m. Fine. Then the governor's office and the agencies that run government have to interpret that law in order to make rules to give guidance to businesses on, on the hours that they can be open and closed and what that means. But the governor doesn't make laws. The governor administers the government. So then you get into an emergency situation and the governor is making laws, but on a very limited basis. It is much easier for him, legal for him, to make laws that say no. So it's from stopping things, stopping people from leaving their homes stopping businesses from being open, 
You can stop laws. But he, he, ha- he can't really create a whole lot of new laws. And you'll see some of that in the provisions of this, um, of this eviction moratorium. All right, so we'll start going through it. Joe, anything to add to that before we start looking at the language of the moratorium? No, I, I think it's, it, it's interesting to read through this. Um, I, I think as we talk through it, what becomes obvious, A, is what this does, but B, what it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, this is an order that's meant to minister to public health. It is not an order that really deals in, in any essential way with the economic impacts mm-hmm. of an eviction moratorium and a stay of any court proceedings regarding unpaid and delinquent rent. Yeah, absolutely correct. Well, and before we start, let me say this too. From what I have heard, and I'll tell you, I I have been, uh, I work half the time at the Attorney General's office, and from what I have heard around the office is that one of the big concerns in this is, uh, from the governor's office, is the financial impact on landlords and is therefore the financial impact on our economy. Because just like everyone else, you know, so if you've lost your job, you're not spending money the way you once were. You are not going out and buying the same groceries or, you know, doing anything with your money that you would have done while you were employed. The same is true in the rental arena. If the um, rental companies and landlords do not have the income coming in, then they also will not be spending it on salaries um, on um, getting repairs done, and it has that you know cascading effect on our whole economy. Well, and not not spending money on on salaries or repairs, also not spending money servicing whatever debt exists on the properties that they control. Yeah, like paying their mortgages. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here is the eviction. We're going to move through the action items one by one. This is the first bullet point: uh, landlords property owners and property managers are prohibited from serving or enforcing or threatening to serve or enforce any notice requiring a resident to vacate any dwelling or parcel of land occupied as a dwelling, including but not limited to an eviction notice, notice to pay or vacate, notice of unlawful detainer, notice of termination of rental, or notice to comply or vacate. So it's a prohibition. This prohibition applies to tenancies or other housing arrangements that have expired or that will expire during the effective period of this proclamation. This prohibition applies unless the landlord, property owner, or property manager attaches an affidavit. So that's a written affidavit attesting that the action is necessary to respond to a significant and immediate risk to the health or safety of others created by the resident. So what's going on here? The first big thing I think is just saying to landlords and property owners, stop. No matter what's going on with your tenant, almost no matter what's going on, but you cannot threaten Or give a notice. You can't give a notice, uh, you know, pay up your rent or vacate. You have 14 days. Or the if you're on a month-to-month, you have a 20-day notice that your tenancy is coming to an end. All of that is stopped for the period that this moratorium is in effect. And 
this moratorium is in effect until June 4, 2020. So that's a good six weeks from now. I think it's interesting to point out that this significantly extends the protections that were afforded under the previous order, which only prohibited evictions for unpaid rent. So if, if you could posit some other reason why you were attempting to evict your tenant, I'm trying to sell the property, I, you know, I need whatever, you were actually outside the order and could go to court, get an eviction order, and have your tenant evicted during, during this crisis, during the pendency of, of this order. Now, unless the tenant poses some significant threat to the health and welfare of people around them, uh, nobody can be evicted. Everybody is in place until this order expires in June. Yeah. And that's really the intent is keep everyone in place. It kind of goes hand in hand with the stay home order that, you know, now is not the time for people to be out either deciding, you know, I'm going to get evicted. So I'm going to move out and just live in a tent. No, don't do that. Or even, you know, my landlord is, is really horrible and I'm, you know, in a bad situation and I'm going to start going out and about looking at other apartments. No, please don't. Please stay home. Now, you know, it's, it's, go ahead. I, I think it's, it may be overly simple-minded, but I think it's important to point out that at the same time that this forces everybody to stay put, it in no way affects the obligation of renters to pay rent for the period this order is in effect for. So yes. between now and June 4th, um, any tenant, even a tenant who would otherwise have been evicted for non-payment of rent, is responsible for and liable for the rent for the rental unit for the period of this order. Yeah, I think that's really important. This is not a no rent is due. Your rent is due. Um, However, if you can't pay your rent, you're not going to be chucked out of your housing. This is a timeout period, but that obligation is still out there. You're still going to end up owing the rent, uh, at least for now. And I say it that way because I can imagine that, you know, at some point there's going to be some understanding that people who've been out of work are not just going to be able to produce, you know, two or three months of back rent um, with any, with any um, quickness. So we'll see what happens in the future. But for now, your rent is owed. But if you cannot pay your rent, you will not be evicted from your, from your dwelling. And dwelling is important too, because it now covers more than just apartments or rental homes. It also could cover if you are um, in an RV in a, in a campground, that may be a dwelling. If you are um, staying in a hotel and have been paying um, to stay in, a, there are some hotels that sort of act as long-term temporary rentals, um, you, you now have protections as well. And the last piece on this one I wanted to talk about was this idea of a significant and immediate risk to the health or safety of others created by the resident. We we don't know exactly what that means yet because this is brand new, but I think this is a caveat that would allow situations like if you have um, someone in the apartment um, creating an extreme um, domestic violence situation, or if you have some uh, criminal conduct like uh, cooking meth or something like that, I was going to say, yeah, cooking meth and you're out. Yeah, 
yeah, cookie and meth, you're out. Domestic violence, you're very likely to be out. Um, so this does allow some ability for um, both landlords and law enforcement to try to protect people from um, folks who are creating really unsafe um, conditions. And, and domestic violence, I, I think it's worth mentioning that one of the real concerns throughout the whole uh, of this quarantine period has been a, a rise in the incidence of domestic violence as people are forced to stay home and not separate from one another. We have seen nationwide and even worldwide an increase in the number of, of domestic violence incidents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, bullet point number two. Uh, landlords, property owners, and property managers are prohibited, so not allowed, are prohibited from seeking or enforcing or threatening to seek or enforce judicial eviction orders or agreements to vacate involving any dwelling or parcel of land occupied as a dwelling unless the landlord, property owner, or property manager attaches an affidavit attesting that the action is necessary to respond to a significant and immediate risk to the health and safety of others created by the resident. And this is interesting. So the first one was a prohibition on uh, serving, enforcing, or threatening to serve any type of notice that would involve eviction. Um, Second one says to landlords, basically, you cannot even seek uh, to to enforce or nor can you threaten to seek to enforce any judicial eviction order. And I would say this applies to um, evictions that you might have obtained before this moratorium. So let's say Joe mentioned, um, you know, previously the only type of eviction that was prohibited was for non-payment of rent. So I know of a situation where a landlord was able to get an eviction order for someone saying, it's not about non-payment of rent. I just want to sell this property. So I need this person off of it. Well, that eviction order was served on the tenant uh, in April 8th, but it wasn't supposed to be enforced until today, April 20th. And so this stops that prior issued court order from becoming effective and from happening. I think the other thing that, that's worth pointing out here, and I think it deals with something that's actually been going on, is that while you can't evict people, even under, the, say, the previous order, um, we have seen apartment complexes sending out threatening notices, notices threatening eviction proceedings and, and other problems that they cause for the tenants. And really what this seems to do is, is to put an end to that kind of uh, that kind of message. Yeah, I think that's right. I know I had talked to a, um, a tenant last week and talked to a apartment manager last week and the apartment was in the habit of um, giving these notices of abandonment to tenants when they, when the, if the tenant had not returned a phone call or returned an email. And I would say that that practice is um, probably prohibited under either bullet point one or two. And that is because it, yeah, it's intended to get the tenant's attention, but it's also very likely to put the tenant in fear. And, and the trouble is when the tenants um, panic, when they, when they think, uh-oh, something bad's going to happen, 
especially if they can't pay their rent, then they're more likely to say, well, the weather's getting better. Maybe I should just go out and live in my car. And, and that's something that we really don't want to happen. So, so this is trying to put everyone on notice that, no, you know, don't even think that you're going to be, you know, giving people these notices. Um, just this is a timeout, a, a real timeout from all of that. All right. Uh, number three is related and kind of, you know, you can tell what they're doing here in the governor's offices. They've tried to work through every aspect of how eviction occurs. And so the third bullet point is this. It says, local law enforcement are prohibited from serving, threatening to serve, or otherwise acting on eviction orders affecting any dwelling or parcel of land occupied as a dwelling unless the eviction order clearly states that it was issued based on a court's finding that the individuals named in the eviction order um, is or are creating a significant and immediate risk to the health or safety of others. And so this is the piece where even if you had a prior eviction that had been served, if it hasn't been enforced, the sheriff's office, which is usually the enforcing entity in this state, will not enforce it now because the sheriff's office is also prohibited from serving or otherwise acting on eviction orders. Any thoughts on that one, Joe? No, I, I think that we've seen, you know, instances where the sheriff was out enforcing evictions that had been either granted on, on grounds other than non-payment of rent or eviction orders that had been granted before the order went into effect. Mm-hmm. And this now stays any any activity of that type on the on the part of law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, fourth bullet point, um, and this is something that was not in the first eviction moratorium and was creating real issues. It says this: landlords, property owners, and property managers are prohibited from assessing or threatening to assess late fees for the non-payment or late payment of rent or other charges related to a dwelling or parcel of land occupied as a dwelling and where such non-payment or late payment occurred on or after February 29, 2020, the date when a state of emergency was proclaimed in all counties in Washington state. And so this is very important because, um, you know, we've heard of, uh, individuals who can't pay their rent and what they were getting into a, a real uh, worry over was the landlords were saying, well, fine, but it's, you know, $25 a day late fee every day you're late with non-payment with your rent. And so the tenants were envisioning that, oh, great, you know, I'm going to get, I mean, maybe I'm not going to get evicted, but I'm going to get out of here owing, you know, thousands of dollars in late fees on top of my unpaid rent. And so this stops the uh, landowner, the property owner from collecting uh, or assessing or even threatening to assess any late fees. This is the first time that we've seen the governor's office do anything that, that deals with the economic impact mm -hmm. of the order of non-payment of rent, of people not able to, to pay their rent. This is really the first time that we've, we've seen state government uh, get involved and really make an attempt to ameliorate the economic effects of this health crisis. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Well, and again, you know, keep in mind um, what the governor's office has been doing with this is really thinking through kind of as a tactical matter, you know, what are the things that are going to push people out of their homes and apartments and dwelling units? You know, what is going to put more people into homelessness or put more people into seeking other housing right now? Because that is the harm that is the big public health concern that we're trying to avoid. And so they have been pretty tactical. And I agree with you. I think this is one where it's sort of like thinking through also what happens after, you know, if we all get back to something approaching normal, but everyone has giant debt loads, then we're going to see just a wave of homelessness happening after this. And that's going to make everything so much worse. At the same time, you know, as we said earlier, um, while this prohibits late fees assessed for non-payment of rent, it in no way removes the obligation to pay rent for the period after February 29th. So let's say somebody who has been not paying rent in March or April or May, uh, those rental amounts will remain due as of the expiration of the order. Yeah, absolutely right. All right. Uh, the next... I hate that these are bullet points because then you sort of think, where do you, where you, so we are now on the fourth bullet point. And this is kind of an unusual one. It says landlords, property owners, and property managers are prohibited from assessing or threatening to assess rent or other charges related to a dwelling or parcel of land occupied as a dwelling for any period during which the residents access to or occupancy of such dwelling was prevented as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. So you may think, well, what's that about? You know, who's being prevented from being in their, um, you know, dwelling or, um, you know, housing because of COVID-19? And I had uh, two examples of this um, that I heard. One was... um, some student housing, I think up in the Bellingham area, so I assume it was around Western State uh, or uh, Western Washington University. And um, the students were, you know, school closed down and the student housing closed down also, but um, for some reason the housing uh, was, they were either seeking to have the rent continue to be paid, even though the students weren't there, um, or they were declining to refund prepaid um, fees. And I don't know which one it was. And I think if they were declining to refund fees, that will be probably an argument that we're going to see around every university because usually you pay your dorm expenses in advance. Um, And we'll see what happens with that. The other example was, uh, let's say you were in some sort of a housing situation where someone does have COVID-19 and that, and that housing is in quarantine. You, however, are not quarantined, but you need to move elsewhere. And I'm thinking maybe some of the assisted living facilities may have had this, but I'm not sure. But any place, if, and in any case, if there's some place that you have been living and you cannot live there now because of COVID-19, then you cannot be required to pay rent for the housing that you are not living in. 
Yeah, and I think that there have been instances of assisted living facilities and other similar type facilities where the entire facility was placed under a lockdown order. And so if you weren't there at the time, you couldn't get back in. Mm -hmm. And now you are relieved of the obligation of of paying rent for the period that you're locked out. And I think part of this was the acknowledgement that if you're locked out of one place, probably you're now in some other place paying rent. Right. And so we didn't want you to have to pay double rent when it's something else that's prohibiting you from being in your first uh, dwelling. This is Nate Bowling, Alaska Air MVP and host of the Nerd Farmer podcast. If there's something I like as much as shaping the minds of the next generation in the classroom, it's travel. I travel for work. I travel for fun. I travel just to show up somewhere different in the world for a few days. What I appreciate about Alaska Airlines is that for all that traveling, I earn a mile for every mile flown on Alaska. Not just points or what I spent. It's a true mileage plan in every sense of the word. And Alaska almost always flies directly where I want to go. From SeaTac, I can catch a flight to almost everywhere I want to be in North America without a transfer in Atlanta or Philly that delays me by hours. So if you want to add a leg to your trip, by all means, visit the travel sites. But if you want to fly direct and earn real miles while you do, then do what I do. Book at alaskaair.com. Thank you, Alaska, for your sponsorship of Channel 253. The next one, and this is, I think, yeah, I think this this is the fifth bullet point. This one is probably going to lead to all of the arguments and possibly all of the litigation around this because it's very, very confusing. I was talking with an attorney on Friday about what this meant and she and I agreed, but the partners in her office disagreed. And, you know, we'll, time will tell what it says, but here's what the language says. And this is about, this is about um, going through collection actions in the future to get that rent, unpaid rent that has accumulated. So, except as provided in this paragraph. So, spoiler, there is something at the end of this paragraph that, you know, is important. Landlords, property owners, and property managers are prohibited from treating any unpaid rent or other charges related to a dwelling or parcel of land occupied as a dwelling as an enforceable debt or obligation that is owing or collectible where such non-payment was a result of the COVID-19 outbreak and occurred on or after February 29, 2020, the date when a state of emergency was proclaimed in all counties in Washington state. This includes attempts to collect or threats to collect through a collection agency by filing an unlawful detainer or other judicial action, withholding any portion of a security deposit, billing or invoicing, reporting to credit bureaus, or by any other means. So this seems to say you cannot, in the future, collect the unpaid rents and other fees that were associated with the COVID-19 outbreak. But here's the kicker. This prohibition does not apply to a landlord, property owner, or property manager who demonstrates by a preponderance of the evidence, so that's more than 50%, to a court that the resident was offered and refused or failed to comply with a repayment plan 
that was reasonable based on the individual financial health and other circumstances of that resident. So this is kind of a backwards prohibition. What it says is you can't, you know, you can't do collection actions for this unpaid money unless landlords, you can show that you worked up a reasonable repayment plan and the tenant either refused to agree to it or started to agree to it and then failed to comply. And what this is doing in this sort of backwards way is, is really instructing landlords to negotiate repayment plans with that back unpaid rent amount. And again, this is because the governor's office is very concerned. We're going to have people come out of this with big debt loads from unpaid rent that they're not going to be able to pay. And that also will just send them right into homelessness. So we'll see this wave of homelessness just when our economy should be getting a little bit back on track. And the reason it's backwards like this, like you could say, you know, in theory, you could say, hey, landlords, offer repayment plans. Here's what you need to do. And if there's a failure, then, you know, you can seek collection. And it's, I would say it's done backwards because remember when we talked at the beginning about the fact of what a governor can do, he can prohibit things. He can't create new law, but he can prohibit things. So he's prohibiting the collection unless landlords, you've tried to work it out and come up with an agreement. And this is important for renters to know about too, because that means you have some power here. Your landlord is going to have a strong incentive to want to work with you to negotiate a repayment plan. And you should do that, you know, work with them on something reasonable, because if you don't want to work with them and you tell them, you know, no way, I'm not going to do anything, then your landlord may be able to go and do a collection action. But if you work with them in a reasonable way, you may be able to forestall any future collection action. <coughs> go ahead, Joe. Um, I'm just reading this for a fourth time. <laughs> it's really confusing. It, it, it's confusing largely because there's so much in here that's undefined. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, offered and refused a, a repayment plan that was reasonable based on the individual financial health and other circumstances. That's kind of a pretty broad statement. Well, and that's where, when I was talking about this with other attorneys, um, that's where we see, first of all, you're going to be arguing over what's reasonable. Right. And then you're going to be, you know, arguing over what does it mean? I mean, refused is pretty straightforward, but what does failure to comply mean? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of places that are going to be there. Uh, you know, and, and so it's kind of interesting because this, nothing in this order until this point, nothing affects the obligation of tenants to pay rent. And this kind of clouds it in a weird way. And I'm, I'm not sure how much real protection it's actually offering tenants. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable comment. You know, I mean, I think that the intent behind this was, you know, let, as I've said, you know, let's give the landlords a really strong incentive for working with tenants and trying to come up with something reasonable. But 
you know, at the same time, it, it's not waiving the obligation to pay rent. Nothing no, in, in this nope. in this order waives the the tenant's obligation to pay rent for the dwelling, dwelling unit, apartment, house, trailer, whatever that mm-hmm. the tenant is is living in. Yeah. You know, what this is is kind of a hope that at the end of this, whether that's June fourth or sometime later, when things start to go back to whatever the new normal is going to be. It's a hope that somehow or other we're not going to have waves of evictions based on the non-payment of two, three, or, or four months worth of rent. And the number of people who, who may not have been paying rent could be substantial. It, it could be really substantial. You know, that, that's going to be phase two of, of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, which is all going to be, you know, economic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how many people haven't been paying rent but have gone unevicted and won't be able to pay rent even on June 4th or July 4th or August 4th or, or wherever, whenever the follow-on orders, mm-hmm. you know, fade or, or are no longer in effect. You know, there, there's a hope here that people will be reasonable and negotiate some sort of settlement of, of the back due amounts. But, you know, if you couldn't pay your rent in April, you're probably not going to be able to pay it in June or July. Yeah, I think it's really a question. It's going to depend a lot on relationships. You know, where uh, renters have a good relationship with their landlord and the landlord has been, you know, kind of a reasonable person who's been working with them, uh, this, it, it might it might work out. Um, in other situations where the, um, you know, it's been more of a, a transactional relationship rather than a personal relationship. I I don't know that this is going to do much. I, I would kind of expect in large apartment complexes that they may send out sort of a um, standard agreement and, uh, and see what happens. Uh, I don't know. And I don't know, you know, what the, I don't know if there might be an action to um, challenge this provision itself in court. Um, since it does sort of impact on um, contractual agreements. Um, yeah, I, I, I've wondered about that since constitutionally you really can't impair contractual agreements or compa- uh, contractual terms once mm-hmm. those have been agreed to and signed. Um, yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see what this actually means when we're no longer under you know, a governor's emergency order, you know, mm-hmm. what is going to happen with all the rent that's gone unpaid. You know, at the same time, you can start evicting people in, in large numbers, but, you know, with jobs that will have been lost, jobs that won't have come back yet, people who will not be called in, called back in from having been furloughed immediately, they might be called back in down the line. It's not as if there's going to be a healthy community of people looking to rent apartments. There are going to be a right. large number of people who will have been evicted because they couldn't pay. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're going to be moving from, you know, Sunset Estates to Golden Estates down the block. If you couldn't pay the one, you, you won't be able to pay the other one either. Yeah. Well, I think that's something that we're seeing a little bit, you know, when I talk to some of the landlords I've talked to. Um, some of them don't seem very sympathetic. And I kind of wonder if, if maybe, you know, they've been in one of the neighborhoods where the second, you know, the minute you have an apartment for rent, it's snapped up. 
you know, there are some areas that have been so hot uh, for rentals that it hasn't been very difficult to get new renters in. Because, you know, for that group, I think they haven't really um, factored in the possibility that in a couple of months, you might, you might have to decide, you know, which is better, having someone in the apartment who can pay a little bit every week or having a vacant apartment and nobody paying anything for quite some time. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how economically things start to come back together. Mm-hmm. You know, once we're officially out of the health crisis, yeah. and and at that point, we're simply into the economic crisis that will right. follow on. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. The last bullet point, bullet point number six, and this is this goes for uh, this for the first time. We're talking about commercial uh, rental agreements as well as um, residential. Landlords, property owners, and property managers are prohibited from increasing or threatening to increase the rate of rent or the amount of any deposit for any dwelling or parcel of land occupied as a dwelling. So that's for residential, prohibited from increasing or threatening to increase the rent or deposits. This prohibition also applies to commercial rental property if the commercial tenant has been materially impacted by the COVID-19, whether personally impacted and is unable to work or whether the business itself was not deemed essential pursuant to Proclamation 20-25 or otherwise lost staff or customers due to the COVID-19 outbreak. So no rent increases or fee increases for residential and for commercial property, if the um, renter has been impacted by COVID-19, that means either they personally were impacted, they were closed down, or they've been impacted by loss of staff or customers. So I would say that's probably going to be just about everyone. Um, then for commercial rents, they also cannot be increased or fees increased at this time. But again, it, it doesn't... It doesn't relieve them from the obligation of paying rent for the period no. that we're talking about. No. I know that the UWT downtown, their commercial property, they let, uh, at least for April, they let their tenants know that no rent would be due uh, for April. Uh, and so I think that in the, in the commercial arena, it's possible that landlords um, have been a little bit more um, reasonable or flexible in their negotiations. Um, but yeah, this doesn't change the obligation to pay rent. It just says your rent cannot be raised. Well, I suspect that University of Tacoma may be somewhat different as a commercial landlord yeah, than, I think so too. than other people might be. I think so too. Yeah. Well, in the UWT, I mean, they don't have the mortgages and things like that. Their, their financing is a whole different world. So yeah, no. it's much different. And they're actually uh, probably also covered by an earlier um, governor's proclamation that that dealt with public utilities and and other government entities that had amounts due them by their customers, encouraging them to you know forego payments when they could, mm-hmm. and arguing that uh, they were relieved from the prohibition, the legal prohibition against governments making gifts of services oh, right. or property to private citizens. 
Right. And, and the governor's proclamation was to the effect that this isn't the gift of government services or property uh, because it is pursuant to the need to keep people in place mm-hmm. due to the health crisis that we've been under. Yeah. So that, that probably gives University of Washington Tacoma as a landlord the cover yeah. to offer free uh, well, free rent for a period yeah. when your business isn't open and bringing in any money anyway. Right, right, exactly, exactly. All right. Uh, so that's it. This is the governor's uh, proclamation. It is an eviction moratorium. It lasts until June 4th. You know, whether we'll see another one, I don't know. You know, a lot of that depends on how quickly we, um, you know, get the virus under control and start reopening some of our activities back up. Um, but you're right, Joe. I mean, it's not going to be like a light switch. It's going to be much more like a very gradual, you know, first allow this type of activity to occur and see what happens and then allow another activity to occur and see what happens, right. you know, so that we don't have to do a open and, sh- and shut down again right away. Yeah, and I think the another problem that we potentially have to deal with is that while this state may well have dealt with uh, this crisis in a somewhat sensible and straightforward manner, you have other states that did not impose quarantines and lockdowns, and what happens is everybody starts traveling again. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting to see, you know, if uh, the West Coast states are, are um, planning to coordinate on their reopening, but I think of like a state like California where, you know, once um, the, you know, once Disneyland opens again, you're going to get a, well, just with summer, you're going to get a lot of people um, and Washington too coming in to um, take vacations. Well, I think there's a real question about when you're going to see people magnet places like Disneyland, uh, Las Vegas, right. You know, able to reopen. And even when they are able to reopen, is there going to be a, you know, a lot of consumer reluctance mm-hmm. to be attending. Yeah, I think it's going to be slow. Yeah, I wouldn't I mean, want to be the first one in. You know, I mean, right now I'm going into stores wearing a mask. I will be highly uncomfortable going into situations with crowds where you're elbow to elbow with other people. Yeah. Same. And I don't know what it's going to take to overcome that reluctance. I agree. I agree. Well, anything else you can think of on the eviction and rental arena, Joe? No, you know, I I think we've hit the questions that are going to have to be answered down the line. In a lot of ways, what we're doing right now, you know, on the basis of trying to keep people sheltered and healthy uh, is kicking a lot of issues, you know, kicking a lot of cans Mm -hmm. down the road. And at some point, we're going to have to catch up with them and deal with them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And we may see some federal programs, too. I mean, I I think um, this is an arena that's going to be ripe for some federal assistance if if the federal government can do so in an effective way, Um, especially for some of the, you know, the property owners. Because even if you could go after your, you know, let's say, two to three months of back rent, most tenants are not going to be able to pay it. So the yep. landlord is going to be out. Yep. And that's going to cause a ripple effect with, you know, there are a lot of, it's not just tenants. There are some landlords who are, you know, going month to month based on their mortgage obligations. Yeah. And, you know, with a significant number of, you know, unpaid monthly rental fees, where are they? 
Mm-hmm. And I think more importantly, what can the state do for people in that sort of situation? You know, the federal government can can mint all the money they want. States right. can't do that. Right. You know, right. states are under an obligation to balance their budgets at the end of, of at the end of the year. And so that really limits what P, what states are going to be able to do in terms of you know subsidizing individuals, businesses, and whatnot. That's why this all has to come from the federal government. Yeah, I'd be interested to see whether we see maybe a special uh, legislative session to later this summer after the after the virus peaks are over, because there's going to be a lot of things that need to be addressed, and I'm not sure if everyone's going to want to wait until January to do that. I think there probably will have to be. Yeah. But the question is, how much leeway is the state going to have to deal with any of this? We do have a, a rainy day fund, which I think is, is, at least up until now, has been somewhat healthy based on a booming economy. You know, it was, but I know they were also tapping it, it for various things at the end of the session. So I know. Yeah. So, you know, just, just how much the state can actually do may not be very much. No, agreed. All right. Well, on that uh, positive note, I guess I would say if you are renting, uh, talk to your landlord. If you are a landlord, talk to your renters. Uh, Things you can work out now will stand you in good stead no matter what happens down the road. And that's it. That's the end of our week five coronavirus in Tacoma. We'll see you again next week. If you have suggestions or ideas or questions, you can get a hold of me. Uh, either on Twitter at uh, true underscore Tacoma, or you can also send me an email, truetacoma at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.